My name is Tony Litt. I'm the MD of Sunrise Radio, and it's my immense pleasure to bring you the official Sunrise Radio podcast. We are the number one commercial Asian station in the United Kingdom, with many firsts to our name, and we continue to be the voice of British Asians who have given us their love and loyalty over 30 years. It's a legacy we cherish and a responsibility that we don't take lightly. Our aim has always been to entertain the listeners with the best of Bollywood and Bangra while also addressing their concerns. A real voice for the community, a vibrant community and a great nation. We are proud to be British and Asian. This podcast is a compilation of some of the things we do on the station with a stellar lineup of presenters who each have their own personality and style. It's entertaining, informative, engaging, and we hope you will enjoy it here as a podcast if you are unable to tune in to the radio. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your family and friends about this podcast and do leave us a comment on what you think. We'd love to hear from you. All the best always. Team Sunrise. My name is Shabnam Sahi. Welcome to the official Sunrise Radio podcast. I'm on your radio weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 noon. If you've heard the show, you know what to expect from it. But here are some exciting, interesting Bollywood stories that you may have missed this time round, served up as part of our official Sunrise Radio podcast. Enjoy. You know what? It is a historic day today. The 24th of Feb. You know why? Sanjay Leela Bansali's birthday? Yes, of course it is. But for cricket fans, it holds a special significance. On this day in 2010, 11 years ago, Sachin Ramesh Tendulkar became the first batsman to score a double century in one-day international cricket. He faced 147 balls and he scored the first double century with 25 fours, 25 chokke and 3 sixes. 3 chokke. And this was done against South Africa at Gwalior. I remember, was it four years ago when Sachin A Billion Dreams, that docudrama came out? It was the best thing that came out that year. And my favorite moment in the film, my favorite moment in the docudrama, I've spoken about it a million times. Sachin Tendulkar looking back on his life, looking back on that journey, on those days of endless net practice in Shivaji Park, supervised by Archrekar Sir. He says, Kisi, today I am where I am. Today I travel the world. I'm very picky choosy about what I eat. Breakfast is still my favorite meal. And you know, I'm into muesli and flat white with oat milk and ginger shorts and avocado and rye bread, all kinds of healthy things. But mujhe yaade ki un dino, the biggest reward for us to play well at the nets and then sit on the back of Achirekar sir's Khatara scooter. He would drive us to the roadside stall where they sold vada paos and have that greasy vada pao. That was the bite of success. That was the shabashi all of us craved. The taste of that, aaj bhi mere mume. No official confirmation on this, but that hasn't stopped the Bollywood rumor mills from spreading this news like wildfire. That Tapsi Pannu is probably going to star in the biggest film of her career so far. This is going to be in Rajkumar Hirani's next social drama with Shah Rukh Khan in the lead. We know that the trials and tribulations of an immigrant, played by Shah Rukh Khan, this forms the crux of the story. It starts in Punjab, it ends in Canada. So far, so good, right? An accomplished storyteller like Rajkumar Hirani, a superhero like Shah Rukh, and one of the brightest sparks from the present crop, Tapsi Pannu. Also part of the story. Isse better kya ho sakta hai, right? Mera sawal sirf ye hai. There's a 22 year mind the age gap between these two. Are we going to talk about this or should we just pretend it's all okay? Actually, let's just wait for a formal announcement of the film first, right? That would be sensible. Hrithik Roshan fans, we have good news and we have bad news. Which one do you want first? Naturally, sab log kehte bad news first, huh? Hrithik Roshan was all set to make his digital debut in the remake of John Lee Carey's acclaimed thriller The Night Manager, playing the title role immortalized by Tom Hiddleston in the original screen version, which became a massive global hit. This was uh, shot some years ago and it was packaged just like a Bond film. So slick, so good, right? Sadly, that remake isn't happening. We're blaming this on the pandemic, of course. But on the other hand, Hrithik Roshan's got Fighter opposite Deepika Padukone, directed and produced by his buddy from war, Siddharth Anand, and the Roshans are said to be closer than ever to announcing their roadmap 
which is a buzzword right now, which finally connects Krish 3 to its long-awaited sequel, Krish 4. If you remember, Krish 3 actually came out eight years ago. If we wait any longer, the story can't possibly be about Rithik. It has to be about Rithik's grandchildren with superpower, right? I mean... That's how long we've waited here. A delightful and rather enlightening interview with Tanhaji director Om Raut. It shows him to be a man who's not taken the success of Tanhaji lightly at all. He's fully aware of the responsibility that comes with success. And Om Raut knows he has to be very thorough in his research and prep for his next mega project, which happens to be Adi Purush. Now, Adi Purush is the retelling of an epic that Hindus hold very close to their hearts. It is our sacred text. It is a story most of us know inside out. It is the Ramayana, right? So where do you start as a director when you pick a well-known epic and you hope to add elements to its narration that makes it engaging, exciting for all in a film format? Because it has to be considerably compressed, right? In that context, Om Raut says, yes, it is a tough film to make and it's an important subject for me and not just for me, but half a billion people in the world. I'm looking forward to this journey where I get to narrate a story that I hold very close to my heart. And as a tech geek, I get to use technology to aid the storytelling. It's a calm before the storm. We are into extensive and detailed prep for every shot. The idea is to assume that people who are coming into the hall have at least seen the story eight or nine times before. How do I get them to enter the theatre for the tenth time and come back again for the eleventh? I have to narrate the story in such a way that people come back for more. I have to layer it in such a way that each time you see it, you get a different perspective. You see a different hue in a character. And he says that this is what I experienced myself. We all know the Ramayan back to front, right? But when I read it again, just before we started preparing for Adi Purush, it gave a fresh new perspective to what I already knew. So he says that if I can translate that through a film like Adi Purush for youngsters, for the next generation, that's it. I've hit a home run, right? Om Raut also is completely adamant that Adi Purush is a big screen experience. He says, look, it's the collective experience of trooping into a dark room with so many others, feeling that sense of jubilation and sorrow as we are transported to another world. That is the magic of cinema. Not someone sitting in their living room staring at a smartphone. Convenient, yes. But is that really a big theatrical experience that you will never forget? I doubt it. Clearly, Om Raut... He hasn't seen Shah Rukh Khan's home theatre, clearly. A clash of the titans this is shaping up to be. Two sets of big Bollywood films out on the same weekend, hoping to entice us film fans to snap out of hibernation and shower our love and support, yes, but more importantly, our physical presence in the cinemas and our money to make these films a big success. When I say physical presence in the cinemas, right now I'm talking about India, of course. Now, let's look at the first clash that Bollywood is buzzing about right now. After Sanjali Labansali released the teaser for Gangubai yesterday, Alia Bhatt looking marvellous and menacing at the same time, it came to be known that Gangubai is hoping to take the world by storm on the 30th of July this year. A date that's already been promised to Bahubali Prabhas and Pooja Hegde in Prabhas's extravagant, exuberant period love saga, which is set in Europe, which will be out in multiple languages. It is titled Radhe Shyam. Will Alia's Gangubai be a match for Prabhas's box office might? All eyes on the 30th of July to see who takes the box office crown, who ends up making how many crows and who waits how long before surrendering to digital. What I'm saying is let battle commence. Director Suraj Bajatia's ongoing love affair with the name Prem, his weakness for making full-on family entertainers with Salman Khan, his outright refusal to follow any trend and resolutely stick to his own brand of cinema that celebrates values and family ties. This brought Suraj Bajatia name, fame and a lot of love from the audience, right? Now, in what seems like a sharp departure from his usual style of storytelling, he's getting Amitabh Bachchan and Burma Nirani together on screen for a film titled Unchai, Height or maybe Stature. Slated to be his seventh directorial, Unchai celebrates the bond of friendship between people of a certain age. And we now hear Anupam Kher has also been offered a significant role in this film. So no Prem, no Salman, but a story that's relevant and it's all heart. 
expect Uchai to be out in 2022 and anyone hoping to match up to this narrative it will be a tall order get it Uchai tall order spoiler alert this started streaming on friday the 26th i watched it on friday along with the rest of the world many of my friends watching it should i tell you how i feel about it or should i reserve it for um, i don't know friday maybe so that more of us have had the time to watch it or should i just say it well, i think i'm going to say it so if you want to um, well still be oblivious of how shabnam sahi feels about this show turn away from your radio lekin kahani idhar rakhiyega please ha you know i felt a little disappointed and i'm not even saying that because i'm comparing the plot to the book of course the book is a masterpiece in how to write crime fiction not even going there because there has been major uh, bollywood touches added to the narrative which is fine what i have the biggest gripe with is the fact that you know the americans say if it ain't broke don't fix it if nothing is wrong with it don't change it because it works perfectly The plot already had a sinister twist at the end. Our Bollywood filmmakers Ribhu Das Gupta Pariniti and the rest of them they said nahi nahi yaar ye bahut nahi hai aisa karte ek twist aur lagate. Agar ek naya twist aap lagate hain to then when you look back on the rest of the story does it still hold does it still make any sense that is the question i think some people forgot to ask. मुझे लगता है ना दे ट्राई टू डू वॉट फरहान डिड विद डॉन वेन फरहान अख्तर रीमेड डॉन फरहान अख्तर एडेड अ वेरी स्मार्ट ट्विस्ट विच वॉज नॉट देयर इन द ओरिजिनल डॉन यू नो दैट लाइन वेन शाहरुख खान सेज मुझे भी जंगली बिल्लियाँ बहुत पसंद है दैट वॉज अ मास्टर स्ट्रोक बट डू इट ओनली इफ यू आर अ गुड स्टोरी टेलर इफ यू नो द प्लॉट इन साइड आउट एंड इफ यू आर एब्सोल्युटली कन्विंस्ड दैट दिस एडेड बॉलीवुड ट्विस्ट इज एक्चुअली गोइंग टू एड टू द एक्सपीरियंस अदरवाइज डोंट डू इट the ongoing jaipur literature festival which is a virtual affair this year a fascinating talk revealed the challenges of adapting a book into films and drama series digital has played a big role in the way books have often translated to very popular shows on streaming platforms and that gives digital another point when pitted against a 3 hour bollywood film bollywood mein sab kuch 3 ghante mein niptana padta hai but digital allows you the time the space to develop your characters to delve into the plot and do justice to a story that's already a best seller in big book form right book Vikramaditya Motwani the man behind Sacred Games along with Anurag Kashyap he says if Sacred Games had to be made into a 2 hour film instead of a series we would have lost so many lovely characters who became fan favorites i think the format allowed us to really have fun with that it was a moment for authors and he's saying that i learned pretty early on while directing Sacred Games that this wasn't about the director it wasn't the director's vision at all it was more to do with the story more to do with the writing i think today formats are flexible and people can choose in which format series or movies or short movies they want to tell a story that is incredibly liberating as a filmmaker now the gentleman who actually wrote that novel vikram chandra he says that you know when they told me they were making a web series on my novel and they told me very late in the day i was very annoyed first here eh? itne saalon se matlab saal nahi mahino se you've been working on it and you're telling me now why huh? but then he says that when i looked at the draft for the translated version for the web series several changes had been made at first i was very annoyed but then when i thought about it i started to see the logic in it you can't have a detective think in a cinematic way for 40 pages which can happen in a book therefore you have to make these changes i think it is extremely heartening even for writers to see that finally their books will be translated to a cinematic experience in a way that characters are not compromised that the plot is not just simmered down to three item numbers and five characters and six songs shot outside burj khalifa there's more to a novel than that you know you can catch shabnam sahi the ultimate storyteller weekdays 9am to 12 noon
welcome to another episode of the Sunrise Radio podcast. And here we are. My name is Anushka Arora. This week, we're bringing you another brand new interview. This time, it is courtesy of the winner of Big Boss Season 14, Rubina. Now, if you have been watching or if you were watching the show, you would know that Rubina has had a wonderful journey in the house, as so did the other contestants too. But of course, there's only one winner. And here she is. So, Rubina, tell me, how are you feeling ever since you have walked out of the show as a winner uh, of Big Boss this year? I have a mixed kind of a feeling, A, because uh, I was in, um, you know, a complete protected, non-connective environment. So coming out of uh, such uh, an environment and getting you know, uh, information overload, it's quite overwhelming. Then inside yeah. the big boss house, I did not have an idea what's happening outside the house. Seeing to the response, again, it, it just sometimes makes me feel numb. Sometimes it just makes me feel extremely elated. So I'm kind of finding myself between the extremes of, you know, uh, connectivity and disconnection uh, and uh, overwhelming um, uh, feeling to a numb feeling. So I'm trying to find myself where exactly I'm positioned so that I'm, I'm out I've just been able to connect to media interactions and everything so having that time to myself with silence I've not been able to find that time so yeah I'm sure and I think like you really nicely put it like from a very disconnected world but in a way connected very well to your audiences through the show and now it must be feeling really weird because like you said you were in a protected environment and you were just doing you know what of course what the show required but it's it must be a very weird feeling um after being in the house for so long and then just coming out and doing all these media interactions all of a sudden yes it is it's, i can't express it but uh, <laughs> the feeling is quite weird <laughs> i'm sure now rubina look congratulations on such a huge win uh, of this very difficult reality show. Uh, it's not easy. I mean, we can sit in front of the TV. We can talk about you on a daily basis. We can judge you because that's what we are doing essentially. But for you guys to actually be in that show for a long time, it's really not easy. And I say that every year uh, with all the contestants. So I think hats off to all of you guys. But did you somewhere, you know, through the possible, I don't know, potentially towards the end of the show, did you kind of expect that, okay, you know what? I, I might just win the show. I'll be honest. I had the desire of reaching to the finale. And mm. I always had this state of mind that winning a trophy is a destiny's game. Uh, because you do not know what people like and what people don't like about you. And with that apprehension, I never judged myself or ever overexpected out of myself. All I knew that I'm going to live my journey with uh, honesty and earnest desire of connecting to my audience on a very personal and intimate level. Mm. So winning is definitely a byproduct of it, but never expected though. Mm -hmm. And when you look back, if you have had the chance to, when you kind of sit down and you think back, what are those special moments that make you smile when you look back? Like those moments in the show that you had? Uh, the recent one when we were shown our journey. Yeah. So uh, that journey includes everything. It just includes every bit of our struggle, our cherishing moments, our challenges that we faced, our victories, our failures. It's a beautiful amalgamation of every emotion that uh, mm. we have lived through in those uh, four, four and a half months of our uh, entire stay in the house. And that is like the most inexplicably beautiful moment that I've lived mm, in. Yeah, yeah. I think even when we watch those videos, I think we feel quite emotional as well uh, because we feel in a way so connected to you guys. And then when we watch that journey, the summary of your time in the show, it's weird. Like we do feel emotional. Like we feel like we have gone through those moments with you, <laughs> um, which in a way is really nice. Um, but Rubina, you openly spoke about your relationship with Abhinav and you expressed the turmoil that your relationship was going through. Uh, what kind of emotions were you feeling at that moment in time when you spoke about it on this reality show? Because it's quite a big deal. You spoke about it on national television. I mean, what were you going through at that time? Okay, so the intention of being on this reality show with my partner 
uh, was very clear and that we had uh, shared in uh, the very initial uh, stage of our interaction with the media mm-hmm. then opening up on the show itself was um, like we wanted to be fair with our sentiments when it comes to our intention of doing the show together mm-hmm. so there was a lot of apprehension there was a lot of if and but but our sincere emotion of letting people know why we eventually decided to be on a show like that bringing about our fragile at that moment um, relationship opening it up on a national tv was a conscious decision because that was the intention of coming to the show at the very first place and there wasn't an iota of regret or maybe looking back and thinking i should have done it or maybe um i could have done it in some other better way or anything but uh, that was the intention and i had to be honest with that with my mm. people and with the idea of coming on the show mm-hmm. and do you feel like now that it's helped both of you absolutely it has i would say uh, the risk that we took of bringing our fragile relationship at that point in time mm-hmm. and working on it you know it was like opening up your wound yeah. and um, in return what happened when we exposed our wound i think mother nature just took care of it that's yeah. all i can sum it up yeah and it's nice because sometimes when you have problems or issues whatever it is in life and i think sometimes when you open up and when you speak about it you feel a lot more better so i think maybe in that sense that's what happened and that's what you guys may have needed to do which i think was a really really brave step for you guys to take so well done and and it's really nice to see you guys happy uh and of course being Thank the winner you. of the show as well and now rubina i think at some point of the show you kind of stopped fearing judgment you were very calm and just really collective you connected with everyone i mean it's it's like i said it's a tough show um how did you manage stay so poised throughout the show i think because i knew my truth and uh, after a point in time i did not fear failures mm-hmm. i did not fear criticism judgment i embraced myself with my flaws that made me even more grounded in my own reality mm-hmm. and that just mm-hmm. helped me sail through every problem challenges so called accusation baseless allegations that those were thrown on me i just took it with a smile and and i just moved on you really did do that did you feel like during the weekend kavar episodes do you feel like you were constantly being pinpointed like rubina ne ye kiya rubina ne wo kiya usne ye bola usne wo bola like were you not like fed up i would say i used to feel you know a little hurt but i never questioned it because the hurt came from the fact that am i not doing good am i mm. not bringing value to the show uh, is that the question that i am being asked every time on the weekend so those questions were were for my own self i never raised a finger or a question um, you know so to say on the format or maybe on salman sir's feedback um mm, in fact mm. i took it as a learning lesson for myself that since i do not know how the show works because i, I as i said earlier also i did not follow the show i did not i wasn't acquainted with the format of the show mm. uh, so mm. i took it as a learning uh, i took it uh, as uh, you know i would be a good student and i would take everything and anything that comes up and i'm going to mold my way through the whole journey and this is going to work for me so um there were moments where i felt low but mm. i determined to myself that in the journey of big boss mm. uh, salman sir's feedback is what is going to improve me even further mm. so as you say that you know the more rubbing and brushing the coal you know uh, the pressure the coal bears on it the more polished the stone becomes and yeah, hence the yeah. diamond emerges so i think my learning lesson has been through those harsh uh, weekends <laughs> that i found myself through the victory and i take it in that stride that is amazing rubina still honestly like you are so calm and just so collective 
Honestly, it's unbelievable, like how you are, but it's really nice. And I think that's one quality to be a big boss contestant. I feel like you need that quality uh, because like you said, you never questioned it. You never questioned the format. And otherwise, I think with some contestants, when they get questioned every weekend, they have allegations on them. There's that sense of frustration. But I just feel like we didn't, we barely saw that with you. Like barely saw that with you. So I think definitely a clear winner uh, we had here. But um now that you're out of the house, Rubina, in terms of projects, work, how are the offers pouring in and what kind of stuff do you want to do now? There is a lot that is flooding mm-hmm. in, but I've not been able to look into that side of it because I am extremely busy having these media interactions because I find that this is my way of thanking each one of you who has been a great part of my journey. So... um I'm dedicating my personal time and energy doing this. Hence, I have not been able to look to the other aspect of my future representations through my projects. Mm-hmm. So I think um, a couple of weeks more, I will have uh, clarity on what I want to pick from my um, basket that I have. Lovely, lovely. And Rubina, uh, before I let you go, uh, I think it would be really nice if you could give a message to all your fans all over the world because they have really really supported even like the fan clubs on social media like honestly that day when uh, you must have replied back to one of my twitter where i congratulated you i had to switch off my notifications uh, because my twitter went crazy uh, thanks to you and your fans but i'm sure uh, you must be really feeling the love <laughs> uh, more than the trophy it is the love that I'm receiving is more monumental for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going through all the tweets and trends, you know, the historic winner, Rubina. Mm-hmm. You know, I would want to reiterate and say that my fans have created a history and it is their historic love that has made my winning even more historical. So a heartfelt gratitude to each and every one across the globe who has poured in their energy, their love, their support for making this a monumental victory. So my trophy is dedicated to them, as I've said earlier also. This is like the least that I can say and do, but the the feeling, the overwhelming gratitude, my heart overflows with love looking at how people just make you feel that all your challenges, all your struggles were worth the tears, mm. worth the pain. Yeah, if yeah. that's the reward, it's worth it. Oh, that is so lovely, Rubina. Thank you so much uh, for taking Thank the you. time Thank out you. to talk to us. And congratulations once again. Like you said, a historic win. Um, and we really look forward to seeing all your projects. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on the big screen, on the small screen, wherever it is. We wish you all the best. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Means a lot. Take care. Take care. Bye. God bless you. Listen to our Bollywood queen, Anushka Aurora, from 12 noon to 4 p.m. weekdays on Sunrise. I'm about to be joined by an old friend, a stable mate. We kind of work together in various kind of formats and he is back working where I first met him alongside Rishi Rich. He is on the line right now. I'm waiting for a little um, Instagram request to join as well. Mumsy, if you can hear me, send me a request if you can. That would be great. But for now, I'll bring you up on the phone line anyway. Mumsy Stranger, welcome to Sunrise Radio. Yo, what's happening, man? How are you? I'm very well, Dude. man. How are you? Stay from you, bro. I'm very well, thank you. I'm it's... literally trying to connect so I can send you a request, but it doesn't let me. Don't worry. Don't we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking as this happens. Let me see if I can send you a request. I don't know. Upgrade. Yeah, Mumsy Stranger fun. must upgrade the app in order to <laughs> join, it says. That's what it says. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> can I do that? Let me do this. Yeah, can you do that? I don't know if you can do it. Let's keep talking in the meantime. Bro. Anyway, how are you, brother? It's been a long, long time. Bro, you know what? It has. You're like, you're like one of the first guys, man, to support me from day. So I remember... You, bro, you're like an OG legend in the game. Oh, mate. Well, that's very kind of you, but this is about you today and not about me. So let's talk about you. (laughs) How has lockdown been for you, man? Because we are literally coming round to a year. And I'm sure you've been at home like everybody else, missing the shows, missing the road, missing being away from home in order to come back and enjoy it, right? 
Yeah, do you know what? For me, it was like um, a 50-50 situation, bro. I kind of liked the reset. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, it was nice to um, be at home and do things that I wouldn't normally do last summer, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. It does very much. So, yeah, bro. Like, And obviously, come on. like It's naturally a situation where... Um, it was a shock for everyone. Yes, yes. It caught us so, all off guard, man. We heard about yeah, this man. little thing that was coming from China. We all went, yeah, yeah, don't worry. It'll be dealt with. And then all of a sudden, yes, we are live on Instagram. Am, yeah. me, make sure your Instagram volume is at the lowest it can be, but not off, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Now can we can see, see you as what well. What is going on? So for people that oh. have just joined us on Instagram, we're talking about how the lockdown has affected all artists across the world, not just in this country, but many people from different backgrounds, particularly the arts. And now it looks like we're coming on the other side of it. So tell me, Momzi, before we go any further, what is the first thing you're going to do when we get out of this lockdown? Bro, the first thing I'm going to do is uh, I probably, I'm probably just going to travel, bro. Like, I just want to get out of the country and go somewhere hot or go somewhere nice. Yeah. I mean, that might be a vibe. At the same time, who knows? I might go to a party. <laughs> you know who? Who? Let's all be dangerous and go to a party. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's go do a little, do our own little mella somewhere. You know what in I mean? It, we should just put it on in some park anywhere. Just all get yeah. together and just look. Let's Free face entry. it. Between you and me, we could probably put together the biggest mella that the country's ever seen. Let's Come face on, it. bro. <laughs> we'll spread the mella virus. We'll spread the no. mella virus. A positive yeah, virus and so be it. Well, listen, we'll talk more about what you got plans for the rest of the year when we come out. But let's just talk about you very quickly now you come yeah. from humble beginnings in east london right uh yeah. you were doing music you entered a bunch of competitions and started talent search things and then yeah. you bumped into fortunately rishi rich and that was the beginning yeah. of your kind of music career i know you come from a dance background as well but like yeah. how how many years has it been since that um well since i met rishi i think it's been about I would say about 16 years. Wow. 16? Yeah, yeah, I met him in 2005. Wow. So 16 years. Um, and uh, I think since we made records, like just the back of what we used to do, that's, I think it's been about 10 years, maybe. Right, right, right. 10 right. Years. So 10 2010. Years. Yeah, 2010. We did something in between Yeah. Um, on one of my projects, which yeah. was quite cool, which was about four or five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, bro, it's, it's crazy, man. Like, time flies. It does, it really does. And I'm trying to remember when I first saw you, must have been around the same time as well. And I remember talking to Rishi yeah. going, man, this kid's got something. You know, he's a triple threat. He sings, he dances, and he's got that kind of street vibe that many people didn't have. You had the influence of the Asian music, but you had the ragga reggae thing going on as well. Bro, on the record, I actually met you before Rish. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I remember, because we obviously had a few friends that knew each other. Yes, Saren, And I remember you, yeah. you were actually kind of supporting my corner from day one and you were like yeah. and I knew you were Rishi's friend at the time yep. I was like yo um, it'll be a vibe so bruv you're a real one anyway I well, already know that that's so. very kind of you very kind of you so here we are 16 years later full circle <laughs> working on a brand new single which we'll talk about in just a second but one of the questions I've been wanting to ask you man is that you come from very roots called Bangladeshi East London kind of roots right and that was always yeah. the flag that you've flown and you still continue to do so when did the decision come in your musical career to start singing in other languages outside of English and Bengali you started incorporating Hindi and Punjabi into your vocals which took me by surprise a pleasant yeah. Do you know what it is? In 2013, I think, um, I've always worked with a lot of like Punjabi artists. I've always been surrounded, you know, H and so many other artists just in, in my career. Um, in 2013, one of my friends, he obviously writes a lot of songs for other people when we're mm-hmm. in the studio. Uh, Yaz, another one of my friends, Hassan, they were like, yo, do you know what? You should, you should fully, fully just sing a hook. Yeah. I said, nah, bro, I'm not, I don't think I'm ready for that. Yeah. Like, I don't want to sound like, you know, you know, Kuri to, you know, like, I don't want to sing it in the wrong way. And yeah. they're like, nah, 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 nah. Like, you, you need to do this. Like, you need to just drop it and not worry about it. So 2013 was, she dropped uh, Punjabi. Yeah. But years, years before that, like, when I was a lot younger, I did try to drop the Broken Stiletti, Bangla. Yes. In songs here and there, like yeah, 2010, yeah. Just, it's not not like proper, nah. but here and there because I'm Bengali, of yeah. course, Bangladeshi. Um, but I think 2013 onwards, I think the whole dynamics of music just became like genres just started messing with each other. You know, like I don't think anyone um, 
bothered about singing different languages on, on songs. Yeah. So then, obviously, Punjabi and a little bit of Hindi, and then eventually I started singing Arabic. Wow, yeah, you know, exactly. Like a few hooks here and there. Um, I don't know Arabic quite 100%, yeah. but I know some words here and there. And then, bro, it was only when I met Nish, I think. Yes, he was really, really talented. Mention, yeah. I met Nish in 2015, um, just before... I met Lion before Nish. Yeah, the producer. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was a like, very talented producer, and I was like, yo... When I met Nish, I was blown away, bro, because he brought Bangla, like, to me. You know, like, because yeah. a lot of people don't understand. you got Sileti dialect, and then you got Shuddha, which yeah. is, you know, everywhere else dialect. Yeah. And Bengali songs are, like, sung in Shuddha. Yeah. A bit like Hindi and Punjabi. Just yeah, kind yeah, of, like, yeah, of course. Um, so when that dialect, obviously that dialect, I don't know. I'm, I'm Sileti. Yeah. So I don't really sing in that dialect. And Nish grew up uh, studying language. And when he came with me with that vibe bro that bungla urban R&B I was like yo yeah. he made me like sing it properly if that makes sense yeah 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 yeah. and bro that was it literally we just started singing in anything we knew we just put it on the record so it's it's, it's dope bro I'm loving it like, but let me tell you so something cool. man because actually by embracing that you have inspired a generation because let's let's be honest mainstream South Asian culture is dominated yes bruv mainstream <laughs> Asian South Asian culture is dominated by Punjabi and kind of Hindi lyrics and Bollywood and Bangra yeah. and all that kind of stuff. The Bengali community weren't really being represented before you stepped forward. So you have inspired yeah. a generation. There's whole millers Bro. that take place in East London now because of Boshaki. There's young artists like Nish, who you mentioned, Bilasai. All these guys are coming forward because you laid the path for them. And of course, East London is a changing place now, right? It's developing yeah, yeah, yeah. so rapidly that there's so much youth culture coming out of the Bangladeshi community. It's unbelievable at a rapid rate. Bro, respect for that, man. You know what? It's that acknowledgement. Like, like I told you, look, bro, for me, like, I was like an alien mm. in my community, in my culture, where I come from. When I was doing music, there wasn't really, you know, support within my family or people I could just like, yo, let me go to my uncle's house and make a record. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 bro, it, was like, it wasn't like that. And obviously, you need support. And for me, obviously, Rish helped so much mm. at that time. And he gave me that helping hand. And, um, and I'll never forget that, you know? And leading on to so many others who I met in the journey. Yeah. And bro, that's all it takes, man. All it takes for a culture, for sound, for a language, of, you know, for people, for someone who needs support is another supporting partner, yeah. you know? So that's all it takes. And bro, from where we was yeah. to where we are now, yeah. like, I'm proud, man. It's nice to know that we're in a genre that is welcome to everyone. You know, music is for everyone and it's so nice that no one's looking at that whole culture or you know religion or you're from there you're from that bruv right now yeah. is the best time to make music it really and it's is the best and, time and it to just collaborate. it just proves that music has no culture or no religion or language Absolutely. there's no barriers right that's what's beautiful about it and talking of which before we get to the new single let's talk about this little hookup with Kanika Kapoor man I mean oh, hey, like on. what <laughs> how like that took me by surprise tell me tell bro, me in it took, it took me by surprise bro <laughs> like literally 2019 I think I was getting on a flight to go LA yeah to shoot out there and my manager called me like oh Yo, um, we've got Kanika's manager on the line, like, literally, you, you know, you need to do a track. I'm like, nah, nah, there's some, probably some brethren from India who just followed, <laughs> saying, yeah, Mumsy. I'm like, nah, shit, I'm not on her radar, man. Yeah. She don't want to work with me. You know them ones, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. nah, it's not, even, it's not even on that. And he's like, no, no, this is happening, bro. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, all right, say less. Literally, it was Kanika, bro, like, with, the, with, with her management. And yeah. the, she literally, bro, bless her, so humble. Yeah. So, like, on point when it comes to music. She hollered, bro. She goes, when I like something yeah. and I want to make a, a, a certain track, I'm going to hit you up. I don't care. You know yes. them ones? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I love that. And, bro, literally, from that, she's, like, become such a great friend. And, you know, just that's how Jugni 2.0 and so many other... We've actually done two or three more songs. Wow, okay. So that's good. That's good yeah, to know. Bro, yeah, like, little exclusive yeah. there, vibes. Yeah, so we've got so much music, like, with DJ Lion and... Everyone like like we've got a lot coming and bro like, like I said it just that's how music isn't it now everyone's like kind of reaching out and yeah. 
I'm loving it. And it is. It's becoming a smaller, smaller, much more respectful world music, man, in the yeah. modern-day technology world. Particularly lockdown has taught us that, right? Now, everybody's approachable yeah. within a video call or, a, or an email. Um, let's talk now, having put together this EP, Rishi has put together this three-chapters thing with so many artists, and you have got the lead single on there called Lost. Let's talk very quickly about that. I mean, working with Rishi again, Jagdar, what do you make of this young boy, Jagdar? I mean, for me, he's got melodies for days. Yeah, bro, no, Jagdar's really talented, man. Like, I literally, you know, got to know Jagdar, obviously, via Rishi. Yeah. Really nice kid, very talented, has got, you know, he's got a good future ahead of him. Yeah. And, bro, like I said, with, with me and Rish, we've always spoken. Yeah. You know, like, we've never, no one ever lost touch. Like, yeah. it was never like that, because... Music, it's not about just music, it's about friendship, you know? There was a lot of and that stuff, I can talk to you openly, there was a lot of that stuff yeah. floating around, right? That, oh, yeah, Rishi yeah. and Mumsy are not talking anymore, so-and-so yeah. is this, whatever. Not at all. I mean, I know for a fact that's not true, but it's interesting to put it out there for the listeners as well. Yeah, no, not really, bro. Like, I think everyone sometimes needs a little uh, different direction to just go and find themselves. You and need a lot to of find your own understand. journey, yeah. Yeah, when you're in a creative, when you're in a creative uh, career, you know, you need to sometimes find your own path as yeah. well because you you can't just get lost in someone else's path. Yeah, I yeah, think, of course. You know, and what you need, what you can't do is lose your head there as yeah, well. Yeah. You've got to keep respect for people that have been there for you and respect everyone, you know? Yeah. And bro, like literally, me and Rich always talk about, yo, let's do something again, man. Um, I'll message him, he'll message me. And then literally, bro, this one, Rich hit me up and he's like, no, I've got something that you're going to like. Yeah. Simple. I was like, what is it, bro? And he sent me the beat and I was like, okay, Give me a day. You know the months. Heard the track. I was like, bro, this is fire. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And bro, it, it was just as organic as we did Streets of Bollywood. Wow. Same. The same way we did It Can Only Be Love. Yeah. The same way we did this record. The difference was because of COVID, we just wasn't in one studio. Wow. That's and, the difference. And you know what they say, just touching on what you said there, they say that if something was meant to be, if you let it go, if it comes back, it was always meant to be, right? Sometimes you've got to find your own head, find your own musical journey, only to come back onto that path and go, now I understand why that was so important as well, right? That also yeah. happens to many, many artists, many musicians. People are muses of our, our other artists. We've seen it in film, we've seen it in music, we've seen it in across the arts. Now, before I play this new single, just tell us, um, the vibe of this track is a bit different. There's like multiple hooks lines going on and just again coming yeah. together of different styles do you know what it is again because it got recorded in like you know three different spaces obviously Jack, Jack Dye, and then you've got Rishi producing it and myself here so I think it was one of them vibes everyone, everyone put their own parts in and Rishi put the song together yeah so kind of he credit to him he made it work and I think it was the flexibility of having two vocals and just I want to put that there I want to put that obviously he sent it back and forth yeah so we were okay with it. But bro, he nailed it, man. The beat is like a retro, uh, old school retro beat, which I really felt. There's not a lot of that out there at the moment. Yeah, right. Um, and bro, like I said, it just works. Like when you know a song is working, nothing else matters, right? I'm telling so, you, man. And I spoke to Rich the other day and he was saying he's getting a lot of heat in India about the track as well, which is always a kind of um, a, a, a litmus test, right? Because if it works in bars and clubs in India, because the bars and clubs in India are in, open for some strange reason, um, then you know that you're onto something because you're hitting one a possibility of 1.3 billion people, right? Bro, trust me, man. Like, you know, a big, you know, big up the team, bro. Like, Kieran, Kieran E., Break the Noise Records, yeah. uh, Richard. There's so much going on. Like, so many people don't actually realise there's so much behind yeah. the track. Like, there's people who are working their magic and doing the hard work behind the cameras, fam. You know what I mean? So... Big everyone up, but yeah, bruv, when the clubs open up, we all know that songs from like two a year ago are just gonna start playing. Yeah, exactly. It's start it's, getting it's to... gonna start from last March. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll go one year round and start playing music from 100%, last year. Hundred percent, bro. And it'll be 100%. called retro. It'll be called retro because it's a year old. Uh, Mumsy, yeah. it's always a pleasure catching up with you. It's been a while. When we spoke on the phone earlier, it's been this Christmas coming. It'll be close to three years since we've seen each other. We yeah, bumped into each other at a Christmas party about two years ago. I know you've got a loving family that support you hugely. We've got your yeah, back man. here at Sunrise Radio. Uh, anything that Come you want to say while we're on, on Insta and on air, man, just to the listeners and to the followers? You know what? To everyone that's listening and following, it's really important you guys go on like iTunes and Spotify and stream musicians you know, music. Just stream it, support it, download it because this is what's important for us musicians. 
uh, anyone who's in the creative, not not just me as an artist, but mm. any artist who you listen to, you should support them, stream their music, download it, go and subscribe, because this is what keeps us going, man. When we don't have shows going on, I'm going to keep it real. Yeah. When we don't have shows going on and we don't have other stuff, this is what pays us. This is what, what helps us to come and give you guys more music and give you guys more to watch and to enjoy in your parties. So support the artist, man. Subscribe, like, comment, follow, stream, do all of that. And we're going to get so much ready for you. Come on. Sounds amazing, man. And what's the hope for 2021, Mumsy, before I let you go? Bro, 2021, loads more music, loads more music. And literally, like, hopefully parties, mate. <laughs> yeah, I might, be, I might, might see me at a Mela on, on the stage with like three people it's, social distancing it sounds like you're missing the, the party element of it rather than the working element but that's alright as well because oh. we're fortunate enough to have careers where we enjoy doing what we do right exactly but hopefully look hopefully normality yes. right? hopefully some sort of normality you know even if it's 50 people uh, going out it's enough man you know like just a reconnection with everyone Mate, you're more get, music you're getting love on here from South Africa from India from Bangladesh man. people man. all over the world right now Bob B's asking you what packet of crisps do you love and what flavour you know what Bob B's you like he's nuts he's crazy big <laughs> up Bobby monster munch pickled onion yes bruv that's show, the one show me some hearts if you're feeling that show and some also, hearts show some hearts drop some, drop some flags where you from keep, keeping it retro Mumsy I'm going to have to let you go man it's been a pleasure catching up good luck with everything for this year let's hope that we can finally see each other and give each other a big hug man it's been a long long time much love to your family all the best with Thank this you, brand bro. new single Lost it is a banging track and I'm going to keep Thank playing you, it right here on Sunrise Mumsy Stranger there joining me live and direct on air and of course on Insta Live. If you missed any of this chat, you can watch it back on Sunrise Radio's IGTV. And for a slightly different flavour, catch Amit Chana between 7 a.m. and 10 a.m. on breakfast at weekends. This is Anila Dami on Sunday. I'm speaking to the CEO of the UK's largest children's charity, Javid Khan of Barnardo's. And just to say, first of all, that I am an official supporter of Barnardo's. I had just to say that before the interview begins. Good morning, Javid. Morning, Anila. Delighted to join you. Great to speak to you, as always. Talking of children and returning to schools, I mean, it's a huge big picture, really, isn't it? Because it's not just about education, but it's also about their mental health and their well-being. In The Observer today, it's reporting that a surge in child mental health cases is expected to emerge as schools reopen and with paediatricians, psychologists and charitable groups who provide mental health support telling the paper they're seeing an increasing demand. I mean, what has Bernardo seen in terms of impact on children's mental health and what do you expect to see when it comes to schools reopening? Gosh, Anila, I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased about that report in the Observer today because it backs up what I and everybody at Bernardo's have been saying for many, many months now that... Uh, we are seeing uh, a skyrocketing in demand for um, children who have very complex issues, or mostly exacerbated during COVID. And nearly a year now, schools being closed and opened and closed again, families in all kinds of stressful situations, parents losing jobs, uh, not being sure whether they're going to have an income, whether they can pay their mortgage that month or not, mm. whether they can pay the bills. Children being at home, not having access to digital devices so they can stay in touch with school, losing contact with their friends, a whole host of issues. Even Wi-Fi connection has been Oh yeah, absolutely, not being able to pay for data. Mm. And parents, literally, families that we've supported, having to choose between paying their heating bills, providing food, or paying for data so that the kids can, can continue to learn. So this is as I say, exacerbated a whole range of issues. And let's just remember before COVID came, the mental health services for children and young people in this country were already uh, uh, creaking, already. So we were, you know, we're seeing uh, enormous uh, waiting periods before children could get referred to see somebody and uh, the, uh, the breadth of support that they were being offered was limited. So fast forward into COVID then, when children are suffering bereavement in their family, when they're uh, suffering um, social anxiety, distance from their school and their friends. They might be living in a household that's seeing an increased um, issue around domestic violence, domestic abuse, mm. uh, online risks as well. 
and children have really suffered. And when schools return, and, you know, we all hope and pray COVID is going to be history soon and the vaccines are going to work and so on. We can't be sure that's going to happen, but mm. let's hope it does. Yeah. What we are predicting, just like what you've read today, is that there is going to be a massive rise, a massive spike in all of these demands. And the systems that are in place, the services that are in place, and my fear is will not have the resources to respond. I mean, what can we do? The government says that early intervention and treatment is vital. They're putting an extra £2.3 billion to help an additional 345,000 children and young people access NHS-funded services or school and college-based support. Is that what needs to be done? What does that look like in action for you? So all new resources, all kind of new funding from government is, is hugely welcome. Uh, at the moment and in the years to come. We need to see the finer detail of where the money is going to go. Uh, Another one of my great fears is that, um, you know, we we all need schools to open and we want schools to be fully funded and supported. But the challenge is that for vulnerable children, those who have suffered during COVID, Mm. simply letting them back into a classroom and expecting them to switch back into normal learning is unrealistic because these kids have gone through severe trauma you know, they've really suffered personally and in their families. And to get them back into uh, engaged learning, they need trauma support. Right. And schools, and, te- and I say this as a former teacher myself, you know, teachers are there to teach a lesson. They're not social workers. They're not therapists. You know, they're, they're not mm-hmm. uh, um, community kind of workers. Uh, they don't, uh, you know, they can't step out of the classroom and go and spend time with the family. They just can't do all of those different roles. And schools are going to need a lot of help for the wraparound support that children are going to need when they get back into classrooms. Now, Bernardo's has been doing a lot of this work for many decades, as you know. Yes. During COVID, we've done a lot of uh, fantastic work, I'm, I'm glad to say, from my colleagues up and down the country and our volunteers who have raised a lot of money, as much as possible, mm. and put in place a whole range of additional support. So, you know, particularly for your listeners today, you know, Sunrise has millions of listeners, of course, in, in the South Asian community. We launched last year... Uh, a new helpline called the Bolo service. You know, Bolo means speak yes, in many yeah. uh, South Asian languages. And it's a bespoke service provided in a range of languages, English, Punjabi, Urdu, Hindi, where trained advisors, counsellors, therapists are on hand to work with members of the South Asian community, black communities in particular, who have been disproportionately affected by COVID. And particularly trying to get support to children and young people and their families who don't otherwise know how to access. And it's been very, very successful. You know, if anybody out there still needs support, Monday to Friday, 1 till 8 p.m. and weekends, 10 till 3 p.m. So if you call now, the number is 0800-151-2605 or go to the Bernardo's website and we can help. Fantastic. I'm really, really glad you mentioned that. Um, That's so helpful for our listeners. You've mentioned the trauma support. I mean, what else do you hope that goes towards and and what other kinds of help do you think needs to be in the classroom? I mean, the government's announced an extra £400 million of funding to help pupils make up for lost learning time. But is that enough? And how do you hope that's used? What does it need to go towards? You know, you used a a very good phrase earlier on about early intervention that people are talking about. Mm. That's what Bernardo's would argue for as well. But the real, real challenge is that first sign of issues for young people. So it may be that, uh, you know, they turned up late to um, class in the morning or looked particularly disheveled or didn't look like they'd been, you know, washed or cleaned or the clothes are not clean or uh, or their attention span is not focused. Those are the early signs, early signals that something's not right in that child's life. Mm-hmm. And that's the time to intervene. That's where this money should make uh, its biggest difference. Intervene early. Don't wait until the problem gets much, much worse, and then suddenly everybody dives in. And then by then, you know, the intensive support is what's required. So early intervention is the answer. So if you look at some of the work that Bernardo's are doing up and down the country, that's exactly what we are focusing on, trying to get the kids really early, the first sign of anxiety or disaffection, get them support, get them counselling, get them therapy, get them kind of, you know, a friendly ear, uh, ear that they can talk to, somebody who will work with them and their families to respond. 
And then hopefully it's a preventative measure. It stops things from getting worse. Now, I hope that's where the money is going to be spent. And I think it's refreshing that you're talking about young people getting counselling and therapy and accessing services that help them speak about how they're feeling. Because often within the South Asian, British Asian community, even that for adults is a difficult thing to talk about. And we we do talk a lot about mental health on this programme to try and open up that conversation. But I think a lot of people may not actually consider that actually children do need that help too. Very quickly, how do you think the government should use the pandemic to level up education? Well, I think it's that issue about uh, remembering that, and all teachers will say this, that for a young person to engage in education, you've got to think about all of the challenges that they are facing before they even get into that classroom. That's the way to level up. You know, when you've got really severely disadvantaged communities, the South Asian communities are no exception. You know, uh, over 70,000 children, young people and families that Bernardo's brought out of its total 360,000 are from BAME communities. And those numbers are increasing very, very fast. And mental health is the biggest issue within that. And you're right, you know, in, in South Asian communities, this is a taboo subject. Mm. People either don't want to talk about it or actually, you know, when you think about some of the major South Asian languages, there aren't easy phrases to describe mental health. So it's not something that gets discussed. And that's what I think we need to focus on. When you think about COVID and its impact, disproportionate impact on Bain communities, South Asian communities, higher chance of catching COVID, less chance of surviving it. So our children, unfortunately, have experienced, you know, older people in their families who have suffered, who have died. And the trauma of trying to cope with bereavement in your family is mm-hmm. bad enough at any time. But at this time, when you don't have your friends, you don't have your teachers, you know, there's no support in place, families can't even grieve together. How does a child get through that? How do they make sense of it? And when the schools open, we're going to see all of this come flooding out. And the systems, as I said, were broken before we went into COVID. If this money doesn't get spent wisely, it's really, you know, there is a time bomb ticking. And I think there's a risk of a whole generation being going unsupported and they're becoming lost. And in years to come, we will all pay for this in all of the additional support that's going to have to be provided when they don't get their school qualifications. They can't go on and study any further. They won't get a job. They can't sustain themselves. They themselves won't be able to look after themselves or anybody else, mm-hmm. their families in the future. And we all have to pay for it in the future. So let's spend the money now. I think we've got a great opportunity. The Chancellor is announcing his budget uh, mm-hmm. this week. In fact, I really hope he's going to put needs of vulnerable children and young people front and centre. Javid Khan, as always, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Tune in every Sunday, 10am to 12 noon, for Anila Dhani on Sunday, giving the British Asian community a voice on the matters of the day. You are listening to The Love Doctor here on The Love Lounge with me, Amit Soda. Good evening. Now I have to wish a very warm welcome to my lovely... Hold on, wait. There we go. Uh, Let's see if this works. To my lovely wife. Are you there? Yes, hi. Hello, darling. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? (laughs) Fine, thank you. I'm good. I'm good. How is little Monty? Is he okay? He's looking around. He thinks you're in the house. He can hear your voice. He's fine, yes. Oh, bless you. You know, uh, on the Sunday evenings, ladies and gentlemen, right, obviously Nithi has to look after Monty and uh, he can be a bit of a handful on a Sunday night because he's obviously had a busy weekend with us and so he gets a little bit restless, doesn't he? Yes, he does, to say the least. If only yeah, his... some shenanigans in the garden just now, barking oh, at the planes. <laughs> he loves to bark at planes, because we've got RAF Northolt near us, right? He just, uh, any time a plane goes overhead, that's it. He just, straight in the He's just crazy. Um, honey, I think a lot of people out there really do want to know the one important question. Before we do the five questions, they want to know, what's it like being married to the love doctor, dating <laughs> coach love doctor? Oh, have they got all night? <laughs> <laughs> Oi. Actually, actually, have they got all of one second? <laughs> <Oi>. <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> Honey, ladies and gentlemen, you can see why I love my wife now. She has the most awesome sense of humour as well. I'm usually the butt end of the jokes, but it's great. I love it. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, cool. So basically, exactly. So la- ladies and gentlemen, what we've done is basically my wife has got five questions, which she has got the answers in her head. So she's going to ask me the questions uh, because she already knows the answers. And these are the questions she's answered herself and i'm going to try and guess what she answered okay so honey whenever you're ready uh the five questions one at a time ask me and don't tell me straight away i'm going to shout out the answer don't tell me if i'm right or wrong yet uh, but keep them in your head and let's see how many i get out of five okay 
right, then. Right. Let's do it. First question. All right. So the first question is, what is my favourite naughty snack? <sighs> Ooh, OK. I think you for this, you've probably answered um, salt and vinegar crisps, either the twists or the sticks. I think that's probably going to be the top one, I th- mm. think. OK. Interesting. Second question. What was my favourite song playing on the radio when we met back in 2015? <laughs> I was going through the playlist typed in 2015 to see all the films Cheap. and all the songs. Cheap. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I was having a look and I was just like, uh, okay, I have to say, I am not sure. And I was thinking for a second it was one of the songs from Jub Harry Met Sedgwell, but that came out in 2017, no. so it's definitely not that. Um, th- I know it was there on is- the radio all the time when we were going out. Okay, cool. October 2015. <sighs> Is it English or Bollywood? It's English. English, okay. Um, I'm going to say probably... Okay, I can change the question, right? I can say, right, this is a bit of an impromptu one. So I can say, change the question to, what is that one song that we both really like? It's an R&B song, and you think it's your favourite, or you said it's your favourite, and I also said it's my favourite, and we both couldn't believe it because we love that song. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's easy. Ayo. <laughs> Bye. All right, cool. Let's let's see if that see. Let's see if I've got that correct anyway. So, cool. all right. Next next question. Here we go. Okay, I helped you out there a little bit. You did. Right. You did. Number three. Number three. Say one thing that's on my bucket list. I think it's probably the next big holiday we're planning, which is something like Thailand, where we're going to go visit an elephant sanctuary. So, I think that that's probably the one thing that you had in mind. Okay. Number four. What is the best holiday destination that we've both been on? Ooh, okay. I'm going to go with definitely our honeymoon to Mauritius. I think if there was a second, it would be Croatia for you. For me, it will probably be New York. But I would say, I think for both of us, it was definitely our honeymoon in Mauritius because that was just awesome. Great. Okay. And then the last question. I think you might have heard me say this occasionally. It's one of my top three favourite Netflix series. Top three? Yeah. Oh my goodness me! I can't just have one because <laughs> too many. Oh, uh, okay. All right. This is going to be tough. I'm going to say Greenleaf. I'm going to okay. say Money Heist, and yeah. I'm going to say probably the one you're watching right now. This is Us. I think that's on Prime, so you get another go. Oh, is that on Prime? Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, so Greenleaf, Money Heist. What's the one that I nearly died with when it was over and I was moaning at the last episode? Queen of the South? Mm, okay, maybe. Uh, you missed it. Monty's looking at me thinking there's something wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. All right, cool. Um, okay, cool. I'm just trying to think. Is there any other one? There is. And I just, you know, sometimes you just come. Very obvious. Yeah, hang on a minute. So, Green Leaf. Um, uh, money heist and what would be the third one hold on hold on hold on I I can't do you know what? It's, I, I know it's on, the tip of, it's on the tip of my tongue but I can't remember what it is but I will say in that case I will say what I just said though which is uh, not this is us what did I just say a minute ago oh Queen of the South okay yeah okay okay cool there are my five questions alright cool so let's let's go through them one by one then okay I for your f- favourite naughty snack I said salt and vinegar crisps uh, the twists or the sticks Definitely the twirly. The twirly. Sure. Yay! Okay. Right. Well, A question two. You asked me uh, your favourite song playing on the radio. No, no. What was it? The favourite, our favourite so, R&B song? Well, yeah, you did get that right. That was Ayo that, um, by Chris Brown. It was one of the classics that we both really liked. And we both like talking about how we had that as our favourite on our playlist. Definitely. Um, so that was it. But do you remember that song by uh, Western? called into oh yeah yes yeah, yeah of course that was, that was, we kind of said should we make this our song but obviously he didn't remember that so <laughs> 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 but i definitely remember the other one there we go okay cool so yeah. te- technically yeah. two out of five right okay cool third one was the bucket list yeah so it's this is a hard one because it is one of the things on my bucket list but it wasn't the thing that i was thinking oh really what did you say then yeah, it's a difficult one because I thought Northern Light was... Ah, uh, uh, that would have been my second choice. Yeah, um, but when you said Elephant, thank you. I was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to do that as well. So 
Maybe you get half a point. <laughs> okay. I, well, I think I should get a full point because it was still on your mind, right? So, <laughs> to be honest, let's face it. After I, I said have a that, lot of things on my mind. Yeah. After I said that, though, did that bump that up to number one on your list? So, yeah, actually, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, Maybe cool, yeah. Yeah, there you go. I get a point. <laughs> oh, God, we're really easily, uh, I'm really easily influenced, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> How do you think I won you over? Exactly. There you uh, go, ladies and gentlemen. Listen and learn. Uh, question for the best holiday for both of us, right? So, yeah, I think it was spot on there, Mauritius, um, for sure, as our honeymoon, but also just very dear memories uh, that um, I hold to. Mauritius because my mum was there and she really wanted me to go so yeah for sure Mauritius and actually you're right for me uh, Croatia was the second one so spot on well, hey! Oh no, no, no! Definitely, that's just a one point. Oh, this is this is a tough one. Then the top three. Okay, cool. So, put me on my misery. What were your top three Netflix? So, come on, power. power, power! Oh my god! Of course. <laughs> How could I not think? Oh my god! What is wrong with yeah, me? Well, power. Epic fail. Epic fail. What was the What was um, the other two though? You did money you... heist was there. So yeah, for sure, money heist. I absolutely love. And the third one, I actually put. Um, I put Queen of the South, um, but then I would have said after that four, Greenleaf, five, The Crown. But because uh, it was the top three, you did get Queen of the South and you did get Money Heist. But Power, I'm 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 very shocked of myself that I didn't get that as well, especially our favourite character, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah. Okay, well, it's up to you. It's up to you then, honey. What are you going to award me for that last question? I am your. <laughs> you are? Say that again. What Dennis? are you going to award me for that last question? Oh, I think, well, you've got two two of them out of three, don't you? So, um, Is that worth a full point? point. Oh. No, of course it isn't. Oh, bless. Okay, cool. Te- Oi. Uh, so technically, I got four and a half out of five. Is that right? That's not bad. That's oh, not. That's and not. I helped you with question two. I made it really easy. Okay. <laughs> you did. You did help me a little bit, but uh, I, I would have got it eventually. <laughs> no, but yeah. thank, thank you so much, my beautiful, lovely wife. Can I just say, ladies oh. and gentlemen, uh, this is my wife, Nithi, on the phone. She is. She has got the toughest job in the world, being married to a love doctor. She really, genuinely has, <laughs> and yet she's the most incredible. You forgot my Valentine's present. <laughs> no, no, I didn't forget it. It's it's in the car right now. <laughs> I've got to find somewhere to hide it in the house as well so you don't get to it. Um, so yeah anyway ladies and gentlemen I just want to say this is my incredible wife there you go you can hear you've met her now you've been introduced to her she is just absolutely uh, just one in a billion Uh, she really is the most supportive loving woman in the world and I absolutely love her to absolute bits I really do she's just incredible I nearly love her as much as Monty no I'm kidding I love her (laughs) every time you say his name he keeps looking at me Monty who's that Daddy, <laughs> bless. looking at me going, stop winding me up. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Oh, thank you, honey, for taking part today as well. It's been oh, thank fun. Thank you for letting me take part in this. It was so much fun. Maybe <laughs> another week I can guess um, your questions. That's a good idea. We could even do that next week, potentially, all the way. We'll do it in yeah. a couple of weeks, actually. Yeah, we'll do it in a couple okay. of weeks. But I have to say that has been so much fun as well. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. I'm thank not as bad you. a husband as you might have thought I was. So wow. to everyone else out there, thank you for tuning in to the Love Lounge with the Love Doctor, me, Amit Soda. Catch our love guru, Amit Soda, between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. every Sunday for that chill out zone. 